Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. And Lord, that you would teach us your word. Lord, as we've dwelt in this text for a few weeks, uh, it's easy for us to, to begin to have our mind wander, but Lord, would you help to focus us? And especially would you help to, to focus us on the shield of faith and how you call us to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, I don't think I could preach on the, the shield of faith without talking about probably the most famous shield of all time, right? Captain America's shield. We have multiple Captain America shields at uh, the Tiger household um, in order to protect us from all sorts of, of dangers and enemies, apparently. Um, but, but really, it's kind of fascinating that, that one of the most iconic heroes of our, of our time had, has a shield as a weapon, because a shield isn't really a, a weapon per se. It's more of a, a primarily defensive weapon to protect and to defend people. Now, as I think about, uh, I was looking up some stuff of like, why was Captain America, like, why did he have a, a shield? And, and part of what they said was that he is the defender of American values against the enemy. And so to be this sort of stance of defender, it made sense for him to have a shield. Now, one of the things that I've learned from watching the Avengers um, is that a shield is only as strong as the materials that it's made of. All right, that uh, if I had a cardboard shield, it really wouldn't do me much good for a lot of things. But if I had a shield made of vibranium, right, it can protect against anything and everything because it's strong enough to withhold um, any, any obstacle or bullet or dart that comes its way. And so it is interesting as we look at this text, and particularly this week as we talk about taking up the shield of faith, um, that, that it's made of faith. And the purpose of it is so that we can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, in those days, they would send out flaming arrows, and, and of course they would do damage. Uh, not only could they hurt somebody or, or could they cause a, a fire and catch somebody on fire, but additionally, one of the reasons why they would send out flaming arrows would be because of the chaos that it would cause. And so you can imagine an arrow being sent and then, um, you know, the grass next to you getting set on fire. And now not only are you worried about other arrows that are coming, but you're worried about the fire at your feet. And last week we talked about how the, how the enemy uses chaos or this idea of utter confusion um, in order to, to cause us to, to panic and to not really have, have trust and faith and to experience peace. And so one of the things that, that we see here is the need of a good shield made of the right things to protect ourselves from the evil darts of the enemy. Because this is what the, the devil wants to do, is he wants to, to cause pain and sorrow and chaos. And so what I want us to do today is we're going to look at Genesis chapter 3, but I have a sentence, all right, that I want to use to kind of describe our, our whole um, message today. And this is it, that the devil devised a strategy utilizing dangerous darts of doubt, denial, and deception, 
aimed at our desires to deter us from God's domain, all right? So the devil devised a strategy strategy utilizing dangerous starts of doubt, denial, and deception aimed at our desires to deter us from God's domain. So let's, with that sentence in mind, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And it says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of any tree in the garden that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes, that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate." Now, this is probably one of the more famous stories in the Bible as it tells us about just the beginning of, of sin entering into the world. But, and it introduces a character called the serpent. Now, um, there's a lot of sort of different ideas about um, the serpent or the devil or Satan or all those sort of things. I'm going to sort of lump those in as the enemy, that there's the spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness that are part of, of our life. But one of the things that we have to know about those powers of the, of the spiritual forces of wickedness or the devil is that the devil is crafty. All right, that's what it says here in three. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. The devil devised a strategy. You see, what happens is, is that the devil knows our weaknesses, and, and he knows what, what our desires are. He knows what we want, what we hope for, where our weaknesses are, and is crafty to get that. And so, we are not dealing with an enemy that is just sort of Um, young and dumb, but we're dealing with an enemy that thinks strategically and that wants to come at our weaknesses. And that's what we see here in the garden. And it's interesting, some of the things that he says, when when we were talking about um, this as a a staff on on Monday, and, and as we were talking about what are the what are the, the darts that the, the devil uses? And Kay Nix, who's our minister of prayer and care, she says, oh, doubts, denial, and deception. And you can see it all right here, that these are some of the primary darts, some of the primary weapons that, that Satan uses to, to hit us in our weak spots, all right? And so, so the first thing that the, the devil, the serpent does, is it goes after and creates doubt in the world. Do you hear what he said? He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. So this is, this is part of the doubt, all right? Did God really say that? Is that really what God wants for you? I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes there's just a lot of doubts that can creep into my head. And it's hard to know where those come from. But one of those places that it primarily comes from, particularly if it's coming at the character or the message of God, is did God actually say that? Does God actually mean that? 
Is that really who God is? And, and so oftentimes, the, the, one, of the, one of the darts or the techniques that the devil's going to use is to cast doubt on something. And so he casted doubt on what God actually said. And he did it then in the garden, and, and he does it with us. And so sometimes you may be wondering, where is the doubt? And I don't think doubt is, is wrong, because sometimes we're going to experience that. But it's like so much in life. When we have a doubt, do we, do we pick it up and say, okay, I'm going to examine this? Or do we hold on to it and does it become everything to us, right? And so with the, the darts of doubt, we, we have to pick them up. We have to deal with them. But they can't consume us, all right? And they can't become a part of us. And so that's what the devil wants to do is he wants us to cause doubt on what God said and on who God is. Now, the next thing is, is he just flat out denies what um, God meant. And so he said, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? But the serpent said to the woman, and this is in verse four, you will surely not die. All right. He just flat out denies what God said. All right. You will surely not die. That, that oh, God says this, but that's not the way it is. God says you're going to die. That's not the case. And I think that sometimes as we, as we go through and as we face these fiery darts, there's just straight out denials, all right? That's not who God is. Um, God's absolutely wrong. God is not good. God is not faithful. Look at some of these other things and tell me that God is good. It can even happen in, in, in this world that we're in right now with COVID-19, that, that the, the enemy may be saying, if God was good, why would he allow this virus? All right, so that means either God is not real or God is not good. And so he just flat out denies the premise of what's going on. And so this, he's going to try to get us to deny God. Um, and he's going to get us to, to deny God's goodness and purposes. Now, the next thing is this idea of deception. All right? Because what he wants us to do um, is actually to, to live for ourselves instead of for God. And so this is what he says. He says, right after saying, you will surely not die. In verse 5, he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is one of the greatest deceptions that the devil works, is he tries to convince us that we will be like God, all right? That, that we can have a standing that we may not otherwise have, that he's trying to tell us that to doubt God to deny what God has said, but also to deceive us into thinking that we are like God, that we are in control, that we are bigger or stronger than we actually are. And so this deception, all right, trying to deceive us from what's really there to what's there. Because he wanted, there was so much truth in what God had told them, that if they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of, tr of good and evil, they would die. Now, they wouldn't die immediately, but because they chose their way instead of God's way, and they had the freedom to do so, all right, they opened up a world of possibility of death so that eventually they would die. But, but, the, but Satan tried to say, no, 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 you will not die. Instead, you will be like God. And this is so often what the devil tries to do. And really part of what he does is he tries to get at our desires. Now, you and I, we all have our own desires that we, we, we all have our own weaknesses or things that we love or things that, that we are bent towards, all right? And so here it's interesting in verse 6 when it says, So the woman saw that the tree was good for food 
and that it was a delight to the eyes. Is, is that this is something that the woman desired. She wanted this food. She, it was pleasing to the eye. It probably smelled good. It looked good. And it had all this other stuff with it. All right? This power, this knowledge. And so this was something that she wanted. And so this, the, the devil knows each of our desires, what, what we really want. And we'll, we'll take shots exactly at that with this flaming dart. And so we have to understand that sometimes we have to check our desires to make sure they're God's desires and not our desires. Because we're really good at deceiving ourselves as well. Sometimes the devil doesn't have to do it, but we can deceive ourselves. We can think, oh, this is what I want. Thus, that's probably what God wants for me. And so I'm going to head in this direction. When in reality, that's just what we want. And the devil doesn't even need to lead us there. Or if he does, it's just a small breadcrumb because we were already headed that way. Instead of really saying, God, what is it that you desire? for us. Because Adam and Eve, they had it made. They were in this garden of Eden. It was a perfect garden. They had everything they could ever want and more. And God was present in the garden with them. He was walking around. It was his domain. It was heaven on earth. But that's not where the devil wants you to be. And that's not where the devil wanted them to be. And so because of their sin, they, they were kind of excommunicated from the garden. And they weren't allowed to live in this paradise of heaven on earth anymore. And this is what God wants to do. This is what the devil wants to do. Is he wants to take us out of God's domain. Now we don't have the same heaven on earth, Eden, like they did there. But we do have the ability to live heaven on earth. To, to experience God's goodness on earth as it is in heaven. And so we can live in the will and in the kingdom of God every day. But the devil's going to try to deter us. It's going to try to take us off the path. And I don't know about you, but, and I don't do a lot of hiking. But, but if you're hiking and, and, and you go a little bit off the path, sometimes you can get lost in the trees and it's hard to get back. And I think that sometimes what happens with us is that we make one or two decisions off the path and all of a sudden it gets, it gets kind of cloudy and it, it gets foggy and the trees get bigger and we say, where was the path? And it's hard sometimes for us to get back. And so one of the things that we're called to do is just take faithful steps day after day after day of following God and to stay in his will, to stay in his domain. Now, here's the good news, is no matter how far we waver off the path, God is always calling us and beckoning us back and saying, come home, come home this way. If we'll just stop and listen and trust him, he always finds a way to get us back on the path if we will be still and listen for his voice. But as long as we chase after our own desires, we're never going to be able to find our way back on the path of God. And so what we really have to do what is, what is our weapon against these dangerous darts of, of doubt, denial, and deception that seek to deter us? It says the shield of faith. And again, a, a, a weapon and a shield particularly is only as good as what it's made out of. And so if it's made out of faith, it's, it's telling us that faith is the strongest weapon we have. It's the strongest material that's available to us. Now, what is faith? You see it here on the screen in Hebrews 11. It says this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things 
not seen. Now, you and I, we live our lives by faith in ways that, that we don't always know. So I, um, you know, I had faith that my car was going to start this morning, that, that I was going to be able to get here on time. The other day, you know, we had this big electric storm. Maybe you um, experienced uh, the power outage the other day. And, and so that was, I don't remember what day it was, but the power went out. And so the next morning, um, after a few things, I, I was going to get out in my car, but the, the power in our garage was still off. I just had to reset something. But I had faith that when I, I walked out and I pressed the button on my garage door opener, that it would just come up, that that's become such a, a part of my life. That, that I don't have to see how it works to trust it, all right? I just believe that it's going to work, all right? And so much of our life, we live by faith. This assurance of things hoped for, my garage door is going to work, the conviction of things not seen, that when I press this button, something happens magically over there. Um, and this is the way that, that so much of life is working. But it's especially true whenever we talk about faith, that we have to believe that there are things we cannot see that, that God is doing, even when we, especially when we cannot see him. Um, last week in our Journey Together video, I talked about this story in 2 Kings 6. Um, I want to just tell you it briefly. And so in this story, there is the, the people of God um, are, are fighting against uh, this, this other country. And there was a prophet by the name of Elisha. Now, Elisha, um, he always knew where the enemy was going to be. And so Israel was able to put their army and be prepared for the, the attacks of, this, of the enemy. And so the, the, the leader of the other army, he got frustrated and upset. Like, how do they know exactly where we're going to be? And somebody said, well, it's a prophet. And so he said, well, let's go get that prophet. And so they, um, over the cover of night, they surrounded the city where the prophet Elisha was. And so the next morning when Elisha woke up, his servant woke up first and he went out and he looked. And as he looked around the city, he saw that they were surrounded by the enemy. But when Elisha looked... He saw not only were they surrounded by the enemy, but that the enemy was surrounded by an invisible army from God. And so he prayed that the servant would have faith, would have eyes to see what God is doing and how he has surrounded them. And so that story really illustrates the song we sang earlier. It may look like I'm surrounded, but the truth is, is that I'm surrounded by you. I'm surrounded by God. And so here's the amazing thing is whether or not the servant saw them, it didn't change the fact that God was out there. It just changed the fact of whether or not he could see. Again, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So even if the servant didn't have the gift of seeing, and I pray we have the gift of seeing how God is at work, but even if that, God was still there where he could not see. And so this is the beauty of faith, is believing and trusting that God is at work and is more powerful than any darts from the evil one. That God is moving, and even when we can't see it, even when we don't know it, that we trust in God's goodness and in his work. And really, that's, that's a lot of what faith is, is trusting and hoping. Now, it's not really wishing that something would happen, but, but trusting that God's purpose and goodness will be there. Now, sometimes I think we struggle with faith, and I think we struggle with faith because we try to muster it up, all right? It says, you know, you just got to have faith, and so I'm going to choose to muster up faith, but faith is not something we muster up. It's actually a gift that we receive. 
This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Is that faith is not our own doing. It is a gift from God. Is that God gives us faith. And so sometimes the reason why we don't have faith is because we try to create it instead of receiving it. We try to make it happen instead of saying, Lord, give me the faith. Help me believe. Help me to have this faith that will protect me from the enemies. Now, there's this great story in in Mark chapter 9. It's a a story of a father who desperately wants his son saved, that that there was a, a demon inside of him, and he wanted this unclean spirit cast out. And and so Jesus asked him, um, Jesus said this, If you can, all things are possible to one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. Is that faith? Is that faith? And I think it is. Because I think sometimes is that we think faith is 100% certainty. We think faith is that I know exactly what is going to happen. I know exactly how this is all going to work out. I know exactly how the whole plan is going to go. And thus I have faith that it's going to be executed. But, but that's not really how faith works. Faith is not about 100% certainty. It's about the next step certainty. My favorite, one of my favorite quotes that I, I like to share over and over again is, if only the next step is clear, take it. But yet sometimes we wait to walk in faith because we say, God, I haven't seen the whole path yet. And God's like, I'm not going to show you the whole path. If I showed you the whole path, you wouldn't believe it. If I showed you the whole path, you may not walk down it. But can I take one step of faith that leads to another, that leads to another, and we get our momentum heading forward? And so here's the great thing about faith, is you don't have to have 100% faith to take steps forward. I don't have to have 100% certainty that, that, that this is going to happen, or even, even 100% certainty in God's goodness. I think sometimes we are going to question, God, if you're good, why did this happen? That's normal. God, if you're loving, how could this happen to me, or how could this happen to us? That's normal. I don't have to have 100% certainty to take steps of faith, All right? Part of faith is risk, that we're choosing to believe, even when we can't see it or even when we don't know. And so we take these steps of faith. And so maybe some of you are sitting there today and you're like, I don't know if I believe in you 100%, God. I I listened to a podcast with a pastor named Michael Todd. Uh, He's a pastor up in Tulsa, and he talked about 51% faith. He said that if he feels that God has has showed him 51%, all right, just over in the majority, then he's going to take that step of faith. He's not going to wait till he gets 100% or 90% or 80%. If he thinks this is 51% from you, God, then I'm going to take this step of faith. And that's my encouragement to you. All right, if I think this shield is going to block you 51%, then I'm going to use it, and it's going to protect me, and it's going to keep me safe. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And of course, part of, of what we believe with faith is that it will protect us, and that that the shield of faith can protect us. 
Now, now with this, when they, when they would have used this um, back then, this wasn't talking about a little shield like this. It was actually talking about a full body shield, all right? And, and one of the neat things was what they would call the testudo formation, all right? This turtle-like formation in which the, the, the Roman soldiers would have moved together and would, have, would be protecting one another. Now, you can see it here on the, on the image, but if, if just one of those shields of faith is removed, if one of those shields is removed, then, then there's a weakness or a danger in the midst, all right? But still, look at the protection that's there. And part of the design of the shield of faith is that it's big enough and it's designed to be used in formation with others and not just by myself. This is not just my shield of faith. This is our shield of faith. And the amazing thing I believe about the shield of faith is that there are some times in my life when I don't have the faith. There are some times in my life in which I don't have the strength. There are some times in my life in which I just don't have it in me. I don't have the power to have faith. And that's when I need the person next to me to say, I'll protect you. You may not have it right now, but together we can fight this battle. You see, it's hard for us to believe that right now when we're in our own homes and, and we're all separated and, and, and this idea of social distancing and, and we can't be close to one another physically. But, but God has never asked us to spiritually distance from one another. And so right now, in just a little bit, we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to invite you to pray to receive the gift of faith. But also, I'm going to invite you to hold up the shield of faith for somebody who doesn't have the strength right now to hold it themselves. And to say, Lord, not only protect me, but protect them. And maybe there's some people that are watching this, that maybe they've been thinking, I have to have 100% certainty that God, you're good and you're faithful to follow you. And I want to tell you, you don't. You see, Jesus healed that boy when the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. You don't have to have 100% certainty to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to have 100% faith to believe it's true or it's good for you. Faith is a gift. And so pray that you would receive the gift of faith and that you would say, Lord, I'm choosing to trust you today and to just start walking in that way. And when we walk in the way of Jesus, we walk in the way that leads to life. Let us pray. So Lord, right now we do just pray that you would give us the gift of faith that we would receive this gift of your goodness and your love and your power, that we would receive the goodness that protects us from doubt, from denial, from deception, and any other dangerous darts of the evil one. So Lord, we do pray for that gift to fall upon us. And Lord, also we pray right now Lord, we pray for the person that we know that, that is struggling. And Lord, we pray that our shield of faith would help protect them as well. And Lord, there are people that are watching this right now, Lord, who say, gosh, I hope somebody's praying for me. Because I believe, but just barely. 
And so, Lord, for the person who is saying, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, would your goodness, would your presence, would your love build their faith? And may they walk in the way that leads to life, accompanied by your faithful children and followers. And may we, as a socially distanced and physically distanced body of Christ, may we be spiritually united to protect and to hold one another as your shield protects us all. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.